What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. Today, we're hitting on all the sports with the latest in Major League Baseball and the NBA. Also going to touch on football news, and we brought a few friends along for a PGA Championship draft pool where we each select three players and battle it out. Episode six coming at you right now. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. We've got a big weekend coming up this weekend in sports. Believe it or not, we are already pretty deep into Major League Baseball season, coming close to wrapping up these seeding games in the NBA, and also have our first major in golf of the year, the PGA Championship. P, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm uh, among other things this weekend. I'm really excited to have a golf major on. Uh, going to be glued to the couch on Sunday, kind of waiting to see who's going to bring home the hardware. Um, I know that you'll be down in Florida for a bachelor party. Um, just remember, while you're on the beach, keep an eye out for Joanna Suspedis down there. <laughs> yeah, who knows where that guy is? He could uh, he could be anywhere at this point in time. Speaking of Joanna Suspedis, do you want to give the people, for whoever doesn't know, a little bit of an update on what happened with that guy? Yeah, so he is an outfielder for the New York Mets, and it's funny because when we were recording our last episode, I think you made the comment that we didn't really want to reference it yet because it was not funny at the time. It was reported that he had gone missing in Atlanta. He did not report to Truist Park for the game against the Braves. He was unresponsive to all of the team's messages, and then it came out the next day that he was just opting out for the season. (laughs) Didn't bother to tell anybody. What do you think about that, Lando? I have no idea why you feel the need to just ghost your team like that. It's just pretty simple just tell them and be done that's fine everyone would respect that decision but uh yeah we were trying to be sensitive while recording the last episode in case something bad had happened to him but turns out he's just kind of a stupid idiot (laughs) yeah it was a pretty unprofessional move from him and i think it's funny because this is a guy who over the last two maybe three years has dealt with a ton of injuries i think uh as he's aged he's gotten hurt a lot it was a real struggle for him to get back to the league and he finally got back um this year and he was playing pretty well and then the mets get off to a pretty brutal i think it was a two and seven start and yoana cespedes decides you know what i actually never want to see these guys again i'm out yeah, when the going gets tough, just blame it on COVID and bail. That's, yeah. that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've probably all had moments like you had where you're sitting at uh, sitting at home or sitting in your hotel room alone and say, I don't ever want to go to work again, but <laughs> at least tell the guys. Exactly. I would be more prone to go back to work if it were baseball, though. It's, it just doesn't seem that hard. But um, yeah, speaking of that, let's kind of keep on the baseball talk. So one thing that I've thought was interesting so far this season, which we had referenced in our first episode, which was a Major League Baseball preview as we were talking about going into the year how pitching might be kind of ahead of hitting at the beginning of the year so all these pitchers were really able to kind of do their normal thing and throw during the offseason whereas the hitters were unable to face velocity especially in high numbers and having a lot of repetitions and that's really exactly what's happened so far this year if you look across major league baseball the average coming into today which is wednesday was 232 
which if that held up, I know it's been a small sample size so far, but would be, I think, the lowest average across baseball of all time, and at least in a few decades. And so just a few pitchers that have kind of really stuck out to me so far. Were you able to catch any of Clayton Kershaw's first start of the year last weekend? I did not catch any of his first start. Um, I did remember, or I did not remember to take him off my bench in fantasy baseball. So I unfortunately missed his five and two thirds innings of uh, shutout pitching. But Ouch. yeah, that sucks. Well, yeah. What do you do? So he went five and two thirds shutout, like you said, but it wasn't even just the numbers. It was just that he looked great. He looked like Clayton Kershaw of old. And one stat that I really like to look at when I'm kind of gauging how well a pitcher is throwing is number of swinging strikes. It's a really cool stat just to see how good your stuff is, how much you're fooling people. And in five and two thirds, which is a relatively short outing, Clayton Kershaw had 14 swinging strikes. So it just goes to show you that he was throwing it well. Yeah, good to see him back out there. He only missed one start. He's dealt with a bunch of lingering injuries the last couple of years. Hopefully he can uh, stay out there. Um, but it sounds like you're telling me with how much pitchers are killing it and an all-time low for batting averages that it might have been a bad year for me to bet on a guy to hit above 400. <laughs> it might have been. That remains to be seen. And actually, I was going to talk about that later, but I have made a decision that I'm especially worried about two guys as far as that bet is concerned. So if you haven't been caught up with us before, we have one bet that Preston thinks that someone's going to hit over 400 this year. And I said, no. And then I kind of doubled down on that and said, no one's going to hit over 370. And he thinks that they will. And so the two guys, let me know what you think about this, that I'm especially worried about. One guy that I referenced in a previous episode was Jeff McNeil. And watching that guy a lot early in the season has only reinforced that opinion. So we live in Atlanta and we're Braves fans and the Braves have faced the Mets in seven of the first 11 games. So we've seen a lot of Jeff McNeil. I remember in the opening series, there was one game he had four at-bats and he absolutely murdered the ball, all four at-bats. He hit it right at people three times, so he only went one for four. But that's the kind of thing in baseball that evens out over time. And so even though his average was really low to start the year, he's climbed up and he's already in the 340s again. So kind of worried about him. And then my second guy who is the only Astro who has shown that he doesn't need a cheat to hit is Michael Brantley just a sweet swinger. I know aside from 2016, when I think he only played like 11 games because he was hurt, the other, like the last six years, if you don't include that one, he's hit 299 or above, including a few years in the 320s. Dude can absolutely rake. Yeah, he can. And I'm looking at the list right now of major league leaders in batting average. You've got Michael Brantley, as you mentioned, hitting 438 at number two. Jeff McNeil for the Mets is number 14. He's hitting 343. And the list is kind of fun right now. Um, You've got some of the old guard, Michael Brantley, Robbie Cano, DJ LeMahieu, Nelson Cruz, Carlos Correa, but then you've got a couple really fun young guys too. Luis, Robert, Robert, however you say it, uh, he's number 11, hitting 364, stud outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. He's a guy to keep an eye on. And then another really fun young guy is Kyle Lewis. Uh, he's number 10 on the list, hitting 375 so far this year. And I just want to mention, he's a hometown Atlanta guy. Let's go. Yeah, he went to Shiloh High School out in Snellville, where everybody's somebody. Uh, he played college ball at Mercer, and then he was the 11th overall pick in the 2016 draft. So this guy's no joke. Uh, he came on strong at the end of last year, a hot start this year. Uh, someone to keep an eye on. I hope he can come through for me and hit 370. Yeah, not a household name yet, but keep your eye on Kyle Lewis. I mean, you already talked about his pedigree of being a high round draft pick. I mean, all you need to know is that this guy is currently starting in center field and hitting third for the Mariners. I mean, if you're if you're playing that position and hitting that spot in the order, 
you've you've got some talent. You've got something you're working with. Yeah, yeah. He's a stud, and a couple other guys worth mentioning: Corey Seager, number thirteen on the list, hitting three fifty six, and then Starlin Castro, in a, or uh, MLB journeyman. Uh, he's number eight, hitting three seventy nine. So I'm hoping somebody can come through for me. Like you mentioned, uh, the pitchers are kind of dominating the hitters this year, but all I need is one. There you go. Yeah. So a couple notes on things you just said. Starlin Castro is a guy who I don't have his stats written down or anything. I didn't prepare for you to say him, but he's a guy who I think people would be surprised if you looked at his career numbers. He started in the major leagues. Like he got called up at a really young age and he hasn't ever been spectacular, but he's been relatively healthy and produced at a solid level for a long time. Like he's got some solid career counting numbers. I would venture to bet that he's pretty high on the all-time like career hits list of active players. He's pretty up there. And then you also mentioned Corey Seager. Because I'm a huge nerd, I was sitting around last night looking at the stat cast numbers for this year, and I was pretty surprised to see that Corey Seager is actually leading the major leagues by a pretty significant amount in number of hard hit balls this year. So StatCast measures exit velocity of the ball coming off the bat, and a hard hit ball is defined as 95 miles per hour or more. And right now, Corey Seager has 25 hard hit balls and second place is 19. So I mean, this early in the year, that's a pretty big lead. So he's a former number one prospect in baseball. He's a guy that people were kind of looking out for as a potential MVP candidate like two years ago. And because he got hurt, everyone forgot about him. But that guy is really, really good and could jump up on the list as far as MVP candidates this year. Yeah, he can. So he's another guy that I'm going to be pulling strongly for to hit uh, not just 370, but maybe even 400. Um, so like you said, looking at the stat cast and exit velocity, I, I need to do my full deep dive on uh, batting average on balls in play and see who really has a shot at this thing. Yeah, you do. And while we're on the topic of the Dodgers, a stat that I thought was pretty crazy is that coming into today, the Dodgers are currently tied with the Yankees for most home runs of any team in the major leagues with 20 while at the same time, they are leading the major leagues in team ERA by a pretty wide margin. That's a scary combination. If you're dropping bombs and you're you know shutting people out, that's hard to stop. I know there was one game the other day. It was actually the game that, that Kershaw pitched. They won 3 nothing. Uh, he pitched great. Bullpen came in and pitched really well. They had two bombs, one by Mookie, one by Bellinger, one three nothing. So that's a uh, that's a tough team to contend with. Yeah. So the Dodgers have the most home runs in the league and the lowest ERA. That is pretty scary. Another stat I was looking at that's pretty indicative, typically, of the best teams in baseball is just simply run differential. Uh, the Dodgers are leading the league right now at plus thirty two. Uh, behind them, you've got the Twins at plus twenty seven, and then third in the league, Colorado Rockies, who are also leading the NL West. Yeah. The NL West is way more fun than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be the least competitive division in baseball, which it's still it still could be not competitive. Like we're saying, the Dodgers are really good and could pull ahead, but the Rockies and the Padres are up there and they're young and they're fun and they're talented. And I hope that they can kind of stick with the Dodgers and make that a really competitive and fun race down the stretch. Yeah, and they could. And it's just such a short season that it, no one's going to be able to pull away. I mean, the Rockies are in first place right now at eight and two. They've won four in a row. Keep an eye on them. I'm ready for Rocktober. I love the Rockies, love the Padres, and the Dodgers are pretty sick. So let's keep an eye on that. We already talked about Kershaw, and I just want to talk about Jacob DeGrom for a minute. We've already seen him face the Braves twice, and that guy is absolutely filthy. So he's throwing like 99 to 101 fastballs all night and then dropping in this 94 mile an hour slider and occasionally an 85 mile an hour curveball 
And he's one of those guys that's like, it's like watching Shaq back in his prime where I just think to myself, like, what does the opponent do about that? I just don't know how you hit that guy. And I know there's Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, but I kind of think you're crazy if if you don't consider Jacob deGrom to be the best pitcher in baseball today. He looks absolutely filthy. I agree with you there. And he could absolutely win another Cy Young, even though he gets little to no run support. I think last year he had the worst run support in all of baseball. So I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. He's got teammates opting out without even telling the team. So, yeah, that's rough. So tough look for DeGrom. I, I wish he was on the Braves. Yeah. So you just mentioned that Jacob DeGrom is going for his third consecutive Cy Young, which brings me to a surprise trivia question. Mm. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> you ready for this? Sure. Maybe. Okay. So, Jacob deGrom, this year, going for his third consecutive Cy Young. Who are the only two pitchers in Major League history to win at least three consecutive Cy Youngs? And I will give you one hint, just to make it a little bit more fair. These two guys both pitched during our lifetime. Okay. Oh, boy. Um, By the way, did you know that Cy Young never even won a Cy Young? Yeah, it'd be kind of weird for him to win an award named after himself while he was still playing. But yeah, that's kind of a strange thing to think about. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to kill time with a dad (laughs) joke while I thought about this. Okay, so I'm thinking kind of like these 90s pitchers like Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Greg Maddox, that type. Um, Number one, I'm going to go with Greg Maddox, the mad dog. That is correct. Greg Maddox won 92, 93, 94, 95. 1992 was with the Cubs, and then 93 through 95, you made the switch over to the Braves. So your first answer is correct. What do you have for number two? Um, hmm. I think that I'm going to go with Pedro Martinez, and I'm partially saying that because I know him as one of, I think, this trivia is six guys that won a Cy Young in both the National League and the American League. So the fact that he won one with the Expos and then the Red Sox, I think that's a decent guess. That is a decent guess. It is not correct. Ah, okay. Yeah. So the second guy is Randy Johnson, mm. who won from 99 to 2002, all four with the D-backs. I think we get tricked again. We This already happened one time by Little Big League. So like what I think of... <laughs> <laughs> Favorite I, childhood movie. Yeah. When I think of Randy Johnson just being dominant for some reason i still think of him with the mariners but he won four consecutive cy youngs with the d-backs and then this was kind of crazy when i was doing the dive is that in addition to those four in a row he also won one in 1995 with the mariners and then also finished second place three other times so five cy youngs and three second places that's pretty sick That is pretty sick. And that just brings me to a point about how Randy Johnson is probably the most intimidating pitcher of all time. Yes. He had like a, he had like a Fu Manchu mustache, a mullet. He exploded a bird with a pitch one time. Yes. That is one of the greatest videos ever. He's 6'10". He could like reach halfway to the freaking plate. Yes, that's wild. And then I thought it was funny because the first three names you mentioned were the two correct answers. So Greg Maddox and Randy Johnson. And then you also threw in Roger Clemens, who that would trick a lot of people because he does have the record for most Cy Youngs ever with seven, but he never won three in a row. He won two in a row twice, but never three in a row. Interesting. Okay. And I guess while we're at it, I think I mentioned that there are two or six guys that won the Cy Young in both leagues. And I think that that's kind of where I was going with it, right? Who are the six? It's it's um, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez, Max Scherzer, 
Um, there's one stupid one that's old. It's like Gaylord Perry or something. Sounds good. Then I can't remember the other one. Anyway, we'll circle back on that later (laughs) and post it so you guys uh, don't have to look it up. I like it. And then your boy, Shane Bieber, looking really good. He had a great outing on Tuesday night, seven and two-thirds innings, gave up two runs, had eight strikeouts. Got to be one of the front runners for the early Cy Young. Unfortunately for him, he might struggle to get some wins because it appears that the Indians' offense got banned at the same time as TikTok. But (laughs) (laughs) we'll see what happens there. Yeah, he hasn't gotten much run support either. But Shane Bieber was one of my guys before the season. I'm not sure I made any other good preseason picks, but Shane Bieber is absolutely killing it. I'm not going to stop believing. Um, He he's going to lead me to the promised land. Yeah, and then I know I know you're not buying in to the Sunny Gray hype. But Sonny Gray oh, is come on. feeling it right now. Currently sitting there 3-0 and with a .96. And then on top of that, they got Trevor Bauer, who looks really good. Um, and then sneaky side note is Nick Castellanos killing it. Everyone talking about Aaron Judge dropping bombs in consecutive games, and he is. And I mean, I understand the hype because he hits him a mile. But Nick Castellanos has an 11-game hitting streak coming into today and is tied for the Major League lead with Aaron Judge for most home runs. I know that the Reds have not started off real hot. They're five and six right now, but weirdly enough, five and six puts them actually kind of solidly in second place in the NL Central and second place makes the playoffs this year for everybody. So I still like the pieces that they have. I still believe in the Reds. Reds are my guys. Fair enough. And and since I bashed them before the season, I'm just going to stick with it. You, you were talking about Shane Bieber and he's been killing it so far. So I'm just going to roll with that and say, you know, pat myself on the back. But uh, after I bash Sonny Gray and you're talking about how, um, how well he's doing, I'm just going to take the opposite side and just say small sample size, dude. Who cares? Okay, fair enough. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and before we leave the topic of dominant pitchers, I know I had mentioned briefly earlier that I wish Jacob deGrom was on the Braves. Big part of the reason why, especially now, is Braves ace, Mike Soroka went down last game with a torn Achilles. How you feeling about that? Yeah, that really sucks. I was watching it live, and you just knew it happened right away. I mean, if you remember watching the NBA Finals a couple of years ago when the same thing happened to Kevin Durant, it looked the exact same. It was step back with his right foot to push off of it and run towards first base, and you could just kind of see his calf explode, and you just knew it wasn't good from the beginning. I mean, tough dude. He tried to get up and walk it off, but feel bad for the guy. Um, Braves are really going to miss him, but hopefully they can pull it together. I think this is one of those things that the shortened season is going to help the Braves because in a longer season, their lack of starting pitching depth would probably show itself more. Maybe they'll find a way to kind of scramble and keep the pieces together this year. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, honestly, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Just go ahead and cue the depressing Sarah McLaughlin music. (laughs) Seriously. Um, Okay. And then last thing on baseball, staying in the NL East, the Marlins are back. The Marlins are back. That's huge for baseball. That is big for baseball. They've they've recovered from COVID and they have uh, come back and won their won their next game. They're three and one. Um, they're ready to go, man. People have nicknamed now, them now the makeshift Marlins. I'm all in on that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then on top of that, Pablo Lopez started for the Marlins last night. He was their starting pitcher. And he's had some kind of crazy month or so. I think he lost uh, one of his parents like a month ago. And then Marlins had all this stuff. 
got COVID stuck in a hotel for whatever and still battled back and came out last night and threw five shutout innings. Like that's a pretty cool story. Like good for Pablo Lopez. Good, good job. Makeshift Marlins. Makeshift Marlins. Yeah. I didn't know that about him. Honestly, I'm not sure I know who he is. Pablo Lopez. If you look pa- at Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez. Yes. If you look at major league ERA leaders right now, he's number one with a zero because that was his first appearance of the year and he didn't give up any runs. So look wow. at the guy, look at him go. Okay. Good for him. So now we're going to kick it on over to golf. We have our first major championship of the year this weekend with the PGA Championship happening at Harding Park in San Francisco, California. And just like with any other sport, we wanted to make it a little bit more fun by doing a draft pool with our friends. So we recorded this draft a little bit earlier. We're going to play it for you right now. Here's how it all went down. All right. So now we welcome on three of our most knowledgeable golf friends for the PGA Championship Golfer Draft. A quick overview of the rules. Uh, there are five of us here. We're going to do a snake draft of three golfers each. Best aggregate score at the end of the tournament wins. If one of your three players misses the cut, your team is eliminated. So hopefully, you know, we don't each have a guy eliminated or this is all for nothing. Anyway, quick introduction of these three guys. First, we've got Logan. He is a golf professional at Mariner Sands Country Club in Stewart, Florida. Scratch golfer. Uh, past Matt Clark Invitational Scramble Tournament champion. Logan, how you doing, buddy? Good. Preston, Landon, thank you guys so much for having me on. I can't wait to talk about this. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. And next we've got Clayton, another avid golfer and even more avid golf gambler. I'm sure he's got all kinds of algorithms running in the background. <laughs> Clayton, how are you, sir? Pretty good. I hope my Excel doesn't crash during this, you know. So <laughs> yeah. See how it goes. Yep. Same here. That would be devastating. And then next, we've got Chubbs, who, much like myself, may not be much of a real-life golfer, but an absolute legend at the Tiger Woods video games back in the day. He also is a golf gambler, wins about 80% of his one-on-one golf matchup bets. Chubbs, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Honored to be here. Amy might be high, but still taking home some decent amount of cash. 77%, is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, very, very, very modest of you. All right, so we're, we're ready to go for this draft. Again, we're doing three golfers each. Landon was drawing for random draft order as I was making introductions. Lando, what's our order? All right, unfortunately, since I did it, uh, I'm going to look guilty with this one, but I came down with the number one overall pick. I know, likely sorry. Uh, second, we've got Logan. Third will be Clayton. Fourth will be Preston. And then fifth will be Chubbs. And then we're going to do reverse order coming back because it's a snake draft. So are we ready to do this thing? Let's do it. All right. So, with the number one overall pick in the draft, I'm going with a guy who was the favorite when we did this a week ago, but has now dropped to number three in odds, and that is the Irishman, Rory McIlroy. So, I just think he's going to come out there, show Bryson DeChambeau that you don't have to be, you know, 240 pounds to bomb it down the fairway, 5'9", 160, he'll do it. He's got a cool accent. Um, he's a beast. I love Rory. So, that's who I'm going with for the first pick. And All the crowd right. goes wild. <laughs> all right nevs you're up number two all right with my second pick um even though we had a little bryson uh hatred there and i'm not the biggest fan of the guy i'm going with bryson DeChambeau. um reason i look at this is this golf course is set up kind of for a bomb and gouge course um what that means is hit the ball pretty far off the tee um and have a pitching wedge in even if you miss the fairway opposed to the guys that will be hitting six five irons into the green 
Um, reason I looked at this, driving distance, number one, scrambling, number eight, uh, analytical kind of perspective there. Um, and also I see some good value betting as well. He's plus 600, uh, 1600, excuse me, on Sportsbook right now. Um, so that's the reason I'm picking Bryson. All right, Logan, sounds like as a golf professional, you may know a little bit too much. You might yeah. need to be disqualified. Yeah, I, I immediately regret inviting you to this draft after hearing that answer. Um, but let's we'll move on to Clayton with the third pick. <laughs> All right, not on the top of the odds board here, but uh, I really like how this guy plays. Xander Shoffley. Yep. He shows up big for uh, – or shows up in big events, and over the last three years he has five top tens in majors. Um, hasn't missed, missed a cut since the restart, and over his last four events, he's gone tied 20, tied 14, tied 13, and tied 6. So he could be peaking at the right time for his first major. I like it. As you know, because you listened to the last episode, Xander was my pick to win it all, so obviously you love that pick. Yep, I like it. And Len just mentioned that on the last episode, he picked Xander Shoffley to win this thing. On the last episode, I picked Justin Thomas to win it. Uh, so I guess it's time to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going with JT. He's coming off the win at the uh, FedEx St. Jude uh, last week, uh, and he moved into the number one uh, ranking in the world. So I'm taking JT, fourth overall. Number one in the world falling to fourth pick. It's a good pick. Let's do it. All right, and then the last pick of the first round, kick it over to Chubbs. Hey, yeah, so I'm going to take a name at the top of the betting charts. I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. The knee's a little bit of concern, and three PGA in a row is a pretty tough feat. But, you know, in the spotlight, Brooks always seems to perform. He just comes to play when it matters. So I like him to take it. Yep, back-to-back champion and unequivocally the hottest guy on tour. I'm a little bit jealous you have him. Um, good pick, Chubbs, and you're, you're up for one more. All right. Uh, my next pick is a, a guy we all know, maybe not everyone listens to the podcast, Daniel Berger. Um, Ooh, I like wow. him. Yeah, he's uh, he's playing really well this year. He's got multiple top fives. He's really seemed to figure it out in 2020. Um, you know, he has wins going all the way back to before we left. So I like him as my second pick, Daniel Berger out of FSU. Daniel Berger, love it. Yeah, I, I was reading today that in his past seven starts, he has six top ten finishes. So he's he's playing really well. I like that pick, Chubby. Yep. All right, so I am – with the seventh overall pick, going to go with my guy, Dustin Johnson. Uh, he won the Travelers uh, at the end of June, uh, which marked the 13th year in a row that he has had at least one victory on tour. Pretty impressive. And uh, he is a member of Team All Bad Boy. Yeah. So as long as he doesn't have a repeat of his uh, Masters saga a few years ago and doesn't fall down the stairs tonight and withdraw, I'm really confident that DJ is going to put together a good tournament this weekend. Good pick, DJ. Hey. He seems to bring it in the big tournament. Dang, I feel All like right. you're like normal with my fantasy, taking my picks right before me. That was a good pick there. So, Let's go. Um, I guess with my pick, the fact that he's still up at the on the board right here is the number two world golf ranking. Uh, John Rahm uh, lost his number one ranking after two weeks. Um, he did win the Memorial earlier this year, which was one of the tougher golf courses played after the restart. And um, yeah, I just really like his. Play. Yeah, John Rahm is a stud. I mean, he only held on to the world number one world ranking for two weeks, but that's still longer than any any dating relationship I've had. Since 2014. So. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's keep our heads up. 
<laughs> Let's go. All right, Nev or Logan, you are up with the next pick. All right, I just wanted to make a quick comment on Berger um, as well. I think that was an excellent pick, Chubbs. I had him on my list. Also, see a lot of value with him at plus 4,000. Um, I wrote that down, actually. Um, so I just wanted to comment on that. But I'm going to go a little off the wall here. Um, fellow UGA grad, like all of us here on the pod, um, I'm going to go with Bubba Watson. And the reason for that is you got a lot, a lot of uh, kind of right-to-left golf holes um similar to august national um that means he can kind of bomb big cuts and um he's a scrambler as well so i really like bubba watson with my second pick a lot of right to left golf holes some other good analysis there from logan uh go dogs on that one yeah i think for the third round logan you are only allowed to say your golfer's name and not give any analysis because you're making the rest of us look bad <laughs> sounds good keep it coming logan all right so, Adam Morgan. Adam Morgan. <laughs> all right so for my next pick I'm going to go with a big name who has not won anything big in a while, and that is Jordan Spieth. Um, I think one kind of hidden storyline going into this week that people haven't talked about as much as I think they should is that Jordan Spieth is only a PGA championship short of a career Grand Slam. So this could be a really big weekend for him. Uh, really looking forward to seeing him get, get back on track. And then I'm going to be up again. I want to go with a guy who I just think is a solid golfer and always just seems to find himself at the top of tournaments, and that is Tony Finau. Dang it. Mm. Yep, I know. <laughs> I figured someone else is going to want to take him soon. That's the tough part about a snake draft is you got to just take guys when they're there. So Tony Finau is the third and final pick for Team Landon. That's a good one. The big Samoan. The big Samoan. He's a good player. All right, Logan, you are up for your last pick. All right, and I'll keep this short. Um, I'm going to go with Webb Simpson. Um, two wins this year, number four in the world. Uh, just a good, just a solid player. And in this format, just when you need a guy to make a cut, he's, I almost bet my life that he'll make the cut on this one. Um, so I'm going to go with Webb Simpson as my third pick. All right, Webb Simpson. Such a sneaky number four in the world. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. If, if you're a casual golf fan, that, that might catch you off guard there. Yep. All right, so that'll do it for Team Logan. Clayton, who's your last pick? Yeah, that was a good pick, Naz. Once again, taking my pick there, but luckily, uh, Colin Morikawa is still on the board. Oh, you go and Yeah, he's uh, to start his career. He made 22 consecutive cuts, uh, second only to Tiger Woods. So the guy could be a star in the making. Um, maybe not as good as Tiger Woods career-wise, but we'll see how that goes. Could start this weekend. Um, currently fourth in strokes gain. Tita Green and second in strokes gain on the approach this year. Um, so that basically means he doesn't miss fairways and he doesn't miss greens. So hopefully he'll have some opportunities to putt for birdie. And uh, he also has a victory this year, um, won the Workday Charity Open earlier. So, Yeah, hitting fairways and hitting greens tends to make you better at golf. And also, <laughs> I appreciate you, Clayton, because you've clearly been listening to the podcast because you took Preston and I's picks uh, on the last episode. So. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate huge, it. Huge fan. You know, yeah. Thanks for having me. Come on. All right. All right. And Preston's got the last pick. Take it away. Okay. So Clayton just mentioned him. I, I can't pass him up with my third pick. I'm going to go with the man, the myth, the legend, Tiger Woods. I'm hoping he's out there in contention wearing his Sunday red. Uh, he's got 15 career majors. He's chasing Jack Nicholas for 18 uh, to be the best of all time. So I am going to have to take Tiger with my next pick. All right. We did it, boys. How's, anyone, how's everyone feeling about their teams? Logan, what you think? Ooh, snubbing Chubbs on the last pick. Oh, my bad. I gave you the last pick, and then I'm not even allowing you to take it. Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, Chubby. 
Round us out. <laughs> well, with my last pick, I'm going to go with Gary Woodland. Uh, he's a pretty competitive guy. He's really hard not to root for because he's just a good guy in general. But from the game perspective, you know, he's been hitting a lot of drives where they need to be, and he's been great around the approach shot, which I think could be really advantageous to him at Harding. So as long as he stays in the green, I think that – or excuse me, in the fairway, I think that he'll have no problem around the green, and he always makes cuts, so hopefully he can get one more for me. All right. Well, thank you, Chubby. Good good analysis from all three of you. I think you kind of, guys kind of put me and landed the shame a little bit there, but we appreciate you guys jumping on with us. And I'm looking at our teams, and I see a few names here, including uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Daniel Berger, Gary Woodland. And uh, those are interesting names to me because I saw a stat today that 12 of the past 17 major winners were first-timers. Hmm. So a lot of guys chasing their first major ever. I think this is going to be a really interesting tournament, something to keep an eye on. Um, shoot your shot fans we will be posting our teams on instagram so you guys can follow the standings over the weekend uh logan clayton chubbs thank you guys so much for joining us yeah thank you thank you very much all right thank you guys for having us on yes sir see you soon so for a quick recap of the five teams we've got team landon rory mcelroy jordan spieth and tony finau team logan bryson dechambeau bubba watson and webb simpson Team Clayton, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, and Colin Morikawa. Team Preston, future champions, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and Tiger Woods. And Team Chubbs, Brooks Kepka, Daniel Berger, and Gary Woodland. If you don't follow us on Instagram yet, follow us at shoot.your.shot.sports for an update on the standings. I love it. Looking forward to battling it out this weekend. Let's switch over now to talk a little bit about the NBA. One thing that I wanted to touch on is something that we have not discussed before, and that is the play-in format for these eight and nine seed, really these eight seed battles that are going on. So as you know, there's a bunch of teams fighting for the eight spot in the Eastern and the Western conferences, um, but it's not just whoever finishes highest at the end of the seeding games. There's actually a play-in format. So what's going on is if the ninth seed finishes within four games of the eighth seed, they have a little series to determine who the final playoff team is, and it's going to be a three-game series, but the eighth seed already starts off up a game. So they only have to win once while the nine seed has to win twice. I just want to know what your thoughts are on this play in format. I think it's funny just to start because it's so ridiculous. I feel like NBA commissioner Adam Silver just locked a bunch of NBA executives in a room and said, I am not leaving until someone presents me with an insane playoff format for the eight seed that we're going to go with. I mean, it's just, it's kind of, uh, it's unprecedented, but it'll be interesting. I mean, it's, it's not currently applicable for the Eastern Conference. I think the Charlotte Hornets at the nine seed are six and a half games behind the Magic, so that's not ultimately going to matter. In the West, You've got the Grizzlies there at uh, 20 and a half games behind the Mavericks at the seven seed. And then one game behind the Grizz are the Portland Trailblazers. And then one game behind them, the Spurs and the Pellies. So that could be interesting, but I just, I ultimately think that the NBA has too many teams in the playoffs. It doesn't matter who gets the eight. They're going to get dismantled by the one seed anyway. So it's funny you say that because I was thinking about it a little bit today. And if there's any one eight matchup that I think could be problematic is the Lakers if they somehow get matched up against the Blazers. I think that, first of all, the Blazers are a very talented team for an eight seed. And with the Lakers missing two of their best perimeter defenders in Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo, having to guard CJ McCollum and Dame Lillard, like that could be tough. I, I, If I'm the Lakers, I do not want to see the Blazers in the first round. 
That's a good point, but if I'm being honest, if I'm the Lakers, the Blazers don't scare me at all. They've got a good one-two punch in the backcourt with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I think together, the two of them average like 51 points a game, but they just don't have much depth um, beyond that. It's funny because when we were talking about the trivia question, uh, surprise trivia question that Michael from Atlanta had asked us uh, last week, um, we were talking about how they run the most miles um, more than anyone, more than any other duo in the league. And the reason that we both came to that conclusion is because I can't name another guard on the team. They just don't have any other depth. Yeah. And the Lakers, if you're talking about one-two punches, I mean, LeBron James and Anthony Davis is a better one-two punch than that, and they have more depth. So I just, I don't expect the Blazers to be able to make that a series. Don't sleep on my boy Yusuf Nurkic, dude. You've been seeing him recently? Okay, so three games back for the Blazers in the bubble. Yusuf Nurkic last game went 18 points, 19 rebounds. Prior to that, he went 30-9 and and 18-9. and Like, Dude's playing a little bit, so I'm not saying the Blazers are going to upset the Lakers. I'm just saying that I think that could be a series. Permission to sleep on Yusuf Nurkic. (laughs) Not against anybody, but against Anthony Davis. Okay, fine. (laughs) All right. But back to the little play-in format. I agree with you that I don't like it for the NBA this season just because of too many teams already being in the playoffs, and it really kind of negating what the eight seeds did all year in order to earn that spot. But one thing that I think would be interesting is if they use this in a different sport. I think baseball with 16 teams this year in a three game series in the first round with as much volatility as there is in baseball, I think it'd be cool if, you know, the one versus eight seed in baseball with the one seed getting to start with a one game advantage over the lower seed. I just think that would make things more fair in a sport that's already prone to upsets happening like that. I agree with you because in baseball, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure I'm going to want to see the one seed go down to the eight in the first round just exactly. because it's not good for the league, really, because you're going to want those premier teams ending up making it to the World Series. But uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Um, a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Jason Tatum, who was my pick for most improved player. Luckily, they're not counting these games in the awards because he's been absolute garbage since he got back in the bubble. A guy who is also up for most improved player who has not been garbage has been Brandon Ingram. That guy looks great. He was the prize of of the big Anthony Davis trade, former number two overall pick in the draft, and he looks fantastic. Like he's he's one of those guys that, given his length, um, his his shooting ability from the outside, he's handling the ball really well, um, knocking down threes, grabbing rebounds. Like he just looks like a future star that Jason Tatum looked like before the bubble. That's what Brandon Ingram looks like right now. Brandon Ingram looks fantastic. I, I saw a lot of people giving him tons of praise on Twitter, one of them being Karen Durant, which is kind of ironic because I feel like uh, that's the closest comparison is people have said that Brandon Ingram is a poor man's Karen Durant, and that's not that's not an insult. I mean, that's a compliment. He's mm-hmm. someone who keeps getting better, something to look out for. He was the prize of that Anthony Davis trade. And while we're on the subject of AD, that guy looks scary, man. Yeah, Fear he, the brow is back. For sure. Fear the brow. He's shooting more threes, which is interesting. I mean, he's always had a great touch as a shooter from inside the arc, but he's adding, adding the three to his game. Always been a great defender. I watched uh, their game the other night, and he had steals and back-to-back possessions, one of them for a breakaway dunk. I mean, he's, he's contributing on in every aspect of the game. He looks great. Yeah, and as good as he is, uh, Defensive Player of the Year candidate, he just keeps evolving as a player, keeps getting better. He was dealing with some injuries earlier in the season. I think he had a little eye ailment uh, right before the restart, uh, but he's been playing amazing. He he led the way in that big win over the Clippers the other night, and then he had 42 points and 12 rebounds in their next game against the Jazz. So he just looks unstoppable right now, and, and if he's going to keep this up, he and LeBron are going to be a real tough out in the playoffs. For sure. By the way, 
Brandon Ingram, basketball reference nicknames, Slender Man, Tiny Dog, Humble Beast. <laughs> Tiny Dog? Tiny Dog. Unbelievable. I love it. Uh, one other thing is we just probably need to mention the complete disaster that the bubble has been for the Grizzlies. They came in with a commanding lead for the eight seed in the West. They got pooped on by this whole plan format by having to fight for the eight seed that they rightfully earned. In the meantime, they've gone 0-4 since the restart, and they just lost, I guess, their second best player, Jaron Jackson Jr., towards meniscus, out for the year. It really just hasn't been going well for the Grizz. No, it hasn't. You mentioned Jaron Jackson, Torres meniscus out for the year, but I didn't expect them to contend anyway. As we were just talking about, the eight seed is just going to get torn apart by the Lakers in the playoffs, in my opinion. Uh, but they, they do have a bright future with Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson. I, I look forward to seeing them for a long time to come. I love it. All right, let's, let's uh, switch on over to football now. What you got on the football front? So a couple pieces of big news out of college football. Um, UConn is the first B, or FBS program to cancel the season. So that's going to be interesting to see if anyone follows suit there, specifically a Power 5 program uh, would really throw a wrench into things. Um, and then beyond that, the Big Ten has announced that they plan on starting their conference-only schedule on September 3rd. How you feel about that? Yeah, that's really weird. I hadn't really considered the kind of differences in timings of the schedules. Like I knew when the SEC came out with their schedule starting on September 26th, I just kind of had it in my mind that all the conferences were going to delay at least close to that. But having one team or one conference, I should say, starting four weeks before another conference, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how that shakes down over the course of the year. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to deal with it if they end up to where they want to do, call it an eight-team college football playoff, and the committee is trying to see who belongs. But you've got the Big Ten ending three weeks before the SEC with those conference championship games. I mean, I just it's going to be weird to see how long they wait to play those games and whether you want to give one team you know, four weeks of rest and another team that they're playing against one week of rest. Yeah, exactly, because I think the SEC backed up the championship all the way getting pretty close to Christmas. Whereas like you're saying with a shortened season starting on September 3rd, the big 10 would finish early December. So kind of a weird, weird uh, thing going on right there. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. And I mentioned the college football playoff. Most of the the rumblings I've seen so far are that they're going to try to expand it to be a little bit more fair, maybe go to eight teams. How do you see that playing out if that's the case? So I've always been a four team playoff proponent under normal circumstances. I just think that's the right number of teams. And I'm the kind of person that argues that no matter what size you make the playoff, there's always going to be a debate kind of on the on the cut line of who should get in and who shouldn't. I've loved the four-team playoff so far, but I think with a lack of non-conference games, I think it'd be a lot better to, to see those eight teams play just because you get so little, um, I guess, data to compare teams during the regular season when not playing these non-conference matchups. So given this situation, I kind of like the 18 playoff. What do you think? I agree with it. And I just want to give people a little bit of a warning that if you hated the college football uh, playoff committee before, you might especially hate them after this year, especially if you are a non-SEC person. Um, In my opinion, if I have to make a prediction, if there's an 18 playoff, it's Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, some stupid team from the Pac-12. I guess I'll take the favorite Oregon and four SEC teams. It could be. And even if it's not four, there's a really solid chance that it's three. Um, I just don't know how you really avoid it when you can't compare conference to conference. I mean, they got the most talent. 
Yep. So we'll continue to monitor how that plays out. Uh, last bit of news on college football. And I don't know if you saw, but Micah Parsons, um, linebacker for Penn State, potential top 10 pick. I think I've seen him in mock drafts going as high as uh, number five overall. They originally reported that he was definitively opting out of the season. Now I've seen them amend that to he is strongly considering opting out of the season. So we'll see if that's the case and if there's any kind of snowball effect on these first round prospects. Yeah. I think that unfortunately might become a trend. I saw that Rashad Bateman, who's not as big of a prospect as Micah Parsons, but is still a good player. He had 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns as a wide receiver for the University of Minnesota last year. He already opted out of the season. So I really don't want that to happen because I want to see the best players play. I love college football, but it's uh, just kind of a wait and see at this moment. Yep, and then there was also a cornerback for Virginia Tech that people had projected maybe end of first round, early second round that has already opted out, said he's going to prepare for the draft. So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. But sticking with football, but moving over to the NFL, I don't know how much NFL news you've seen this week, Lando, but I wanted to touch on uh, one thing, quick correction from our last episode. We noted that Matthew Stafford had been added to the COVID-19 list. Um, I wanted to correct that real quick. So Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly, came out on Instagram and bashed ESPN for reporting that Matthew Stafford had tested positive for COVID. Um, She said that her kids were not allowed to go back to school. She got shamed by people at the grocery store telling her that she was endangering other people at the store, um, all for a false positive test. Um, I'm sure that Kelly was listening to our last episode, but thankfully decided to bash ESPN instead of us. So just wanted to issue a quick apology to Kelly Stafford. Kelly, love you. Thanks for listening. Uh, appreciate, uh, <laughs> appreciate how big of a fan you are. Hope you keep tuning in. Uh, I did actually see another piece of NFL news, though, that I consider big. ESPN announced their new lineup of Monday Night Football announcers, which was kind of a, a thing that was up in the air for a while. They announced that it's going to be Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Brian Greasy. Just curious what you think about this. So I like Steve Levy, longtime ESPN guy. He He's knowledgeable. He's funny. I like that. Uh, Lou Riddick is the one I'm really excited about. People have been kind of clamoring for him to maybe be on this crew for a couple years now. Um, he knows a lot about the game. I've always liked his analysis, but where he really won me over is two years ago um, during the preseason, he predicted that Patrick Mahomes was going to come out of nowhere and light the league up and win MVP. So I really like Lou. He's got a lot of credibility. I'm looking forward to that cast. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I think Lewis Riddick is phenomenal. Phenomenal. And especially like on NFL draft days, that guy brings the heat. He knows a ton about it and it's fun to watch. As you know, I'm a big announcer guy. I think I'm the, I'm the biggest announcer person that I know, right? Like if, <laughs> if, you ever, if you've ever watched sports with me, I'm like kind of weird about it. Like with March Madness going on, whenever there's four games happening at the same time, my decision of what game to watch is purely based on who the announcer is. <laughs> so like back in the day, it was always Gus Johnson. Now it's always Ian Eagle. It's just what I do. Yep, and then you've got Kevin Harlan, Bill Rafferty. I mean, there are so many. The list goes on and on. I mean, there's a reason why our intro is just <laughs> announcers yelling stuff at you. Exactly. I love them. Yeah, NBA, the national broadcast, it's kind of hard to go wrong. Like the Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, that's a squad. I love Kevin Harlan, love Marv Albert. NHL, if there's multiple NHL games on, Doc Emmerich. Like, that's just how I am. I just, I, I love the announcers. I don't blame you. I'm with it. Nothing adds like to the magnitude of a big moment in a game, especially like a playoff game seven, more than an announcer with a sick call. Yeah. Gus Johnson freaking out is one of my favorite things ever happening. I'm surprised he has not had a brain in yours. I mean, 
Hopefully he won't. <laughs> Hopefully not. Sticking with football, but moving on to the other professional league, news this week, The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, along with a group of investors, are buying the XFL for $15 million. Lando, what do you think about this move? Well, you know my thoughts on Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Huge fan. I have a Just Bring It shirt. Definitely my favorite WWE wrestler of all time. He's actually uh, the background on my computer at work. A, a picture of him with his belt <laughs> saying, just bring it. Like, I'm a big rock guy. I just don't think, because all the best players go to the NFL, that the XFL can ever succeed. But I do believe that if anybody can make it better than it was, it's the rock. I mean, the guy is just electric. He's the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. <laughs> yes, I he love is. It. Um, so I don't think it's going to work, but I hope it does for his sake because I'm always rooting for the rock and whatever he does. What do you think? Yeah, I love the rock too. I was a huge fan of his back in the day during his prime WWE years. I mean, he's the jabroni beaten pite and trailblazing eyebrow raising people's champ. The rock. Love he always it. will be. Um, I support him in everything he does except this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at least he only invested $15 million instead of 250 million like Vince McMahon man second go round on this but just the xfl as a business is a proven stinker i mean there's just simply not a market for it we don't watch the nba g league we don't watch minor league baseball no one cares about this the talent's not good enough i wish the rock well but i just don't think it's going to be successful yeah he will not lay the smack it down on the nfl probably not not. but yeah it's funny because he actually uh, was named the highest earning Instagram poster in the world recently. He makes over a million dollars per sponsored Instagram post. So just post 15 times and you can buy the XFL. So not, not really a big deal. Yeah, I, I wish that I had enough money to knowingly make a terrible investment, but I love The Rock. I, I hope he does well. Gotta love it. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to be a wrap for our show today. Our next episode is going to be on Monday again, so we have another Monday mailbag. If you have any questions for us, you can either send them to us on Instagram or you can email them to us at sysmailbag at gmail.com. That's sysmailbag at gmail.com. As always, love y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to see you soon. Oh.